Thanks, everyone, and welcome back to Above the Fold. Um, Jeff and I have a great and special guest with us today. It's Daniel Davis, uh, communications manager for DuckDuckGo. For our loyal listeners, you know that Jeff and I have been talking about DuckDuckGo um, for a couple shows now. Super excited to get into this, uh, talking about what this search engine is, um, uh, what, what it can do uh, for our world in terms of privacy, and so on. Um, Daniel, thanks so much for joining us. Um, can you give us a little intro about yourself, your tenure at DuckDuckGo, and, and, um, and, and what you do? Hello, yeah, certainly. Uh, well, thank you for inviting me. Before I start, I've got to say, best podcast title ever with Duck Duck Woe when you talked about us uh, a few weeks ago. I, but I'm really, you, you got me there. Uh, I take full credit. I take full credit for that one. So I've not seen that one before. We've seen lots of variations, but not that. But that was, that was good. Um, yeah, so I work at Duck Duck Go, uh, the privacy company. And I've been there all about three and a half years now. Uh, actually, I started working uh, for them kind of uh, voluntarily and then on a contractual basis, which is how uh, we tend to recruit. So we take people with an interest in privacy and then work out if they're, if they're a good fit. And so I was actually working like that for maybe nearly six months before I joined uh, full-time. I originally found out about DuckDuckGo back in 2011 or 12. And um, the, the focus on privacy at that point Drag, uh, pulled me in. The results I thought were not quite up to par, but you know I was going to uh, stick with it. And since then, I'm very happy to say I've seen it become as, as good as any other search engine I've used. So I'm um, yeah, very happy. And obviously, <laughs> I must be happy because I'm working there full time. Uh, it's uh, from the sort of the staff uh, side of things. We're a complete uh, remote working company. So although the headquarters are in Philadelphia, we have. Uh, nearly 70 staff scattered around the world. I'm calling uh, to you from Japan right now. And we have people in uh, North America, South America, in Europe. Uh, not many in Asia at the moment. I think I'm the only one in, in East Asia, certainly. So yeah, all scattered around. And we, uh, we, we, we try and do a lot with our small team. So we're getting um, good uh, awareness across the globe, uh, doing a lot with a small team because we really focus and obviously the focus for us is online privacy. Our whole sort of ethos is about, we want people's online privacy to be as easy as closing the blinds. And that's what we're trying to do. When you first joined in um, 2011, 2012, when you were volunteering, what was your first reaction to DuckDuckGo? I mean, at that point, I have to assume you were either, like most of us, conditioned to use Google. Um, how was that change, or how, how was that experience for you when you first started using it? Um, well, back then, um, DuckDuckGo was just a search engine. Um, so, I, yeah, I live in uh, Japan, so I do some searches in Japanese as well. And I've got to say, the results in Japanese at that time were not good. Uh, it was, um, there are some things that have not changed. And one is the focus on simplicity. And you'll see that if you go to our, our front page now, it's, it's very, very simple. We try to keep things uncluttered. So, yeah, the focus is on privacy, but it's also about having a nice user experience as well and giving people the, the results they want. So in that respect, I think that's not changed very much. What has uh, changed is the um, additional services that we provide. So um, about a year and a half ago, uh, we uh, released an updated version of our mobile app, which is now a full web browser, but with added privacy features to protect you. Uh, and 
an extension for desktop browsers, which has the same kind of privacy features in it. Um, in that same time since, uh, you know, 2011-12 or so, I think away from DuckDuckGo, we've seen other companies focus more and more on data collection. So that's where the biggest divergence, I think, has been um, from almost the start of DuckDuckGo's search, uh, search sort of beginnings. We've not collected logs. In fact, I think it was in a few weeks of DuckDuckGo starting, back in 2008, actually. Um, Gabriel, the founder, uh, heard feedback that, you know, hey, we don't need to keep logs. And he thought, yeah, you're right, we don't need to keep logs. Let's just, you know, try it without keeping any sort of details about who's searching and see what happens. Turned out it was a pretty popular move. Um, whereas, yeah, as I said, on the flip side, the divergence we've seen is other companies, sadly, just go more and more into data collection to do more targeting. And once you get on that treadmill, it's sort of never ending. You just, there's, there's a, the quest for more and more data. Okay, we know this much about the person, but we want you know, to get data offline and then combine that with the online profile, you know, et cetera, et cetera. That's some of the biggest changes we've seen. How are users responding to this? In my mind, I see it as one of two directions. You could have people that really appreciate that personalization, that customized experience that they get with Google because it's it's tailored to them. The ads are going to be tailored to them. The results tailored to them. And then you've got the other group with their tinfoil hats on, maybe not so extreme, but don't want that. They, they want the duck. DuckDuckGo experience. Do you see people shifting more towards your direction, DuckDuckGo, or people shifting more towards the customization? Because you are taking market share. I've, I've seen that. You're taking market shares. So I guess, I guess that's part of the answer, but like just more of like a subjective experience. What, what, what are you hearing from people? Uh, yeah, good question. Yeah, we are taking market share, although there's still a long way to go. We've got a lot of yeah. growth, I think, ahead of us. Um, I don't think it's necessarily an either or um, um, decision i think you don't have to give up customization um to have privacy and, and we do actually have customization on DuckDuckGo, uh, so you can go in and change the theme um you can um uh, go in and um change certain settings so the way that go you know, behaves for example we show instant answers at the top of search results you know you can hide those if, if you want to um so yeah there is customization we save that locally, like on your computer, so we can't actually. Um, we we use a, a if, if you change a setting, we use a cookie on your device, and people sometimes get scared about cookies. But that's just for your like local machine. We don't link that with an account because we don't have like the, the, those search accounts. Um, so that enables customization, but keeping people anonymous at the same time. So I think you know it is possible to to have privacy without making compromises on things like that. Um, there is also uh, you know the, the ability to um, personalise search results from the company um, level. I'm not talking about Dr. Go by the way here. I'm talking about other um, non-private search engines. They can customise the search results automatically based on what they think they know about you, which could on the face of it be seen as convenient but when you look into it and, and we've done um, studies of this it gets to the point where they're showing some results that they think are useful for you but it also means they're hiding some results from you and you don't know what they're hiding obviously because they're hidden uh, and it could be stuff that is actually uh, either relevant or interesting or important to have a balanced view and we find this in particular with let's say um 
political searches or searches about a current uh, controversial topic or a news topic. You search for something and you see results in, in, uh, that are aligned with your point of view. You're completely missing other points of view and therefore it's you know, hard to make balanced decisions. It could even affect a democratic process if it's done mm. you know, excessively. Right. So you're kind of explaining a situation where similar to what Twitter's going through, where they're creating echo chambers. And it's just kind of showing you a circular news feed of everything that you already believe. Yes. And that can be dangerous. You know, it can lead yeah. to sort of a very sort of polarized uh, opinions, possibly even extreme opinions. You had mentioned, we talked, uh, we touched on market share and obviously um, uh, you had mentioned, you know, long way to go. What is what, what is the plan? I mean, you had mentioned all remote staff uh, all over the world um, trying to build awareness. And I have to imagine, um, and, and it's been just about over over 10 years since 2008. Um, you know, what, what, is, what is the marketing plan? How, how are you going to get awareness um, out there even more? Also, um, with the idea that more people um, are talking more about privacy and privacy, internet privacy and online privacy is happening more in the news. I have to imagine um, the timing is perfect for something like DuckDuckGo to really spike in either awareness or popularity. Yeah, you, it's a good thing you mentioned uh, the timing. Um, and I, th I think we, we could have said that at several different occasions in the past as well. There seem to be several occasions where the timing has been perfect. Uh, for example, the Snowden revelations. Mm. We were around then and we're doing what, you know, similar to what we are now. At that time, we only had a search engine, actually. But even so, it was a still focus on privacy. Snowden revelations mm. happened. People suddenly realized there's all this surveillance uh, to a much, much greater extent than people realized. And uh, we benefited there from people wanting to move to more private ser services. Similarly, um, last year with the Cambridge Analytical, Analytical scandal on Facebook, suddenly people thinking, hey, this is getting, you know, creepy, possibly even beyond creepy, and they want to take some um, action. You know, they want to do something proactive to protect their privacy. In, in those cases, it's something outside of our control that has happened. It's an external event. But our sort of our focus on you know, providing private services and products means that, I want to say we're in the right place at the right time, but um, that indicates it's just sort of a one-off. But we're, I don't know, if, if, if we provide a solid reliable product that protects people with privacy, then when the realization is there or when people want to take action because of some you know, scandal or um, breach or whatever, then we're there. It, it seems like the, the realization is, is now. And specifically, if you look into Google Trends, just looking at search volume, relative search volume for DuckDuckGo, it, the inflection point was around like fall of last year where it just... And it seems like every single week there's a new privacy scandal coming out, whether it's Google or it's Facebook, like the Cambridge Analytica thing. Um, I just went through my Google settings the other day just to see what the information is because they update it to Google syncing. It took me an hour to go through all of the different categories of information. I'm not even kidding. <laughs> all of the different categories of settings that you can have. And it's like it's almost intentionally vague. So it seems like that moment is now that this is happening. It's every single day that this stuff is coming out. It's a new story. Yes, you're right. Uh, and it's, uh, um, there's lots of companies doing it deliberately. They have privacy policies, um, but they deliberately make them vague or extremely long. Uh, or the, the settings for you to opt out of something are either scattered across various individual like, 
sections of the service, or they're hidden behind uh, various clicks and pages, or you know, tiny text instead of a big button kind of thing. So yeah, I think it is very difficult um, using regular services to understand what data is being collected, how you can stop it being collected. Um, I wanted to say as well. So. Um, Yes, we, we have had a boost from um, things like the Cambridge Analytica. We, we find actually that what often happens is that sometimes there'll be uh, some event like that, and then it'll kind of trigger um, uh, um, almost like a, you know, a, a rolling stone gathering moss as it rolls down a hill. <laughs> somebody will tweet about it, then somebody else will mention it on their radio show, and then it just, it just takes one or two influential people to get scared of you know, the the loss of privacy and wants to do something about it. And then a mention of DuckDuckGo and other people looking into it. Yeah, we benefit from it in that way. We, we also um, do our own um, sort of marketing as well, trying to spread awareness. We have a blog called spreadprivacy.com. Um, mm -hmm. And the focus there is to share tips and advice on how people can protect their privacy, uh, as well as research that we've done, surveys um, that we've done on a cross-section of of um, usually the um, US adult public, and then we release that again on the name of uh, increasing awareness. Yeah. Um, if I can give you a couple of examples of the service, surveys that we've run, one was um, asking about awareness of the companies owned by Google and Facebook. And we were surprised that many people didn't realize WhatsApp is owned by Facebook. Even YouTube, I mean, maybe it seems obvious to us, um, YouTube is owned by Google. We found many. People didn't realize that. Um, and obviously, we're looking at mainstream audience here. Uh, so uh, it's easy to sort of uh, think that everyone is like me. I'm a, I'm a techie guy, so it's easy for me to think. Mm -hmm. Everybody knows that. But when you look at a very you know, mainstream audience, there's yeah. still a surprising lack of awareness. You have Waze, the navigation um, service. You have Nest, mm -hmm. the smart thermometers, both owned by Google. And yeah, people don't realize just how extensive that sort of network is. Francis is totally comfortable with having a personal assistant listening to him in his house. <laughs> I knew it. I knew you were going to go there. I first of all, it's not the Google <laughs> assistant. I have Alexa, but it's true. She's always listening um, in the yeah. house. And uh, we have we have three of them now. We have uh, the big one and like the two, the two small ones that we have um, in, in various rooms. Um, I even have the alarm clock. She she wakes me up and I realize I'm calling her <laughs> she. I, I know that that's another Pandora's box that I'm going to touch. Yeah. Um, but that is um, that is shocking to think that in the survey, people not realizing YouTube or Nest. I mean, I can maybe understand Nest and way, but YouTube, I feel like, was a huge sort of announcement when they when they were um, when when now that they're with Google, and it makes sense. It makes sense that people um not realizing you know just how far the reach is um and maybe why um <laughs> why they get so shocked about privacy issues well they're ahead of the duck duck go you guys were ahead of the game here thinking about privacy back mm -hmm. when we were you know in the days of facebook just willingly handing over all of our information not even thinking about it apparently you guys were thinking about it is this kind of like a i told you so type of moment happening now Maybe a little bit. <laughs> Maybe a little bit. <laughs> yeah, you, you could say that. Um, although, um, as I say, I, I, I don't think it's one moment now. I think it's as, as a growing, a growing yeah. moment, effectively. Uh, I, again, we've done research and we uh, survey um, people with the same questions uh, in like with, with several month gaps. 
to monitor changes in behavior and attitudes. Uh, and one is um, what actions do you take to protect your privacy online? Things like um, do you install a, a, a tracker blocker um, browser extension? Do you use a VPN? Um, some of them quite basic, some of them quite technical. Uh, and so we, we account any of those as an action to protect your privacy, which mm -hmm. also indicates awareness, obviously. Um, and in the most recent one, it's a few months ago now, but uh, we found 24% of people are taking some kind of proactive action to protect their, their privacy rather than just saying, oh, yeah, it's terrible, and then not doing anything about it. People are actually taking action. And we're yeah. seeing that number, that number grow. So right. I think that's going to continue. It's not a, a one-off sort of you know, flash-in-the-pan moment. Right. Well, from what I understand in reading through um, privacy policies and asking... Lucky you. Yeah, right. And, and asking, <laughs> uh, you know, asking uh, websites and browsers do not track, apparently that's just a suggestion from what I hear. And a lot of, a lot of that just goes, it's really not a law when you say do not track. It's just kind of like, eh, whatever. And you get tracked anyways. Um, that's going to change though, isn't it? I mean, isn't uh, like Mo Mozilla Firefox is trying to make that standard where people were websites and browsers respect the do not track. Um, but yeah, there might be some confusion there because um, we've actually just, um, released a proposed legislation, draft legislation. Uh, not aware of Mozilla uh, doing that. Um, but yeah, we, we've done that a couple of weeks ago. You're, you're exactly right. The do not track setting in browsers. And it's very easy to do. You set it once, then forget about it. It should be a beautifully simple solution. But sadly, websites don't uh, respect it. Um, there are a couple, uh, obviously we do, don't go. Um, I think Medium, the, the blog platform does. Um, but yeah, unfortunately, it's optional. You know, there's, there's no sort of legal uh, weight behind it. So most websites ignore it, which is kind of sort of confusing for users because they set this, they enable this setting called do not track. <laughs> and yet it doesn't have the effect they, they expect. Right. So yeah, we've, we've uh, proposed draft legislation saying that, you know, it, it should be the law that uh, you respect this setting, which um, hundreds, um, it's about, was it, I think that was around a quarter of people we surveyed had actually enabled it. And so when you spread that across the number of people using browsers in the world, you're looking at um, potentially hundreds of millions of people with this setting enabled, and yet it's not really doing anything. There should be legislation that says if you request websites to, do, to not track you, they can't track you. Yeah. I'm, I agree with you, but I'm, I'm kind of on both sides of the fence here because as a digital marketer, uh, what do I do? What do we do as companies when we're trying to track web behavior, trying to track conversions on site? Um, every, everything that we do, all of our strategies dictated by this data, if a quarter of it's gone to start, what happens to us? Yeah, I think there's, um, there's a difference, I think, between the, the, the tracking and um, accounting uh, anonymous, um, well, let me give an example in the DuckDuckGo's case. Uh, we don't know how many users we have because obviously we don't track users. Um, but we know our traffic is growing because we know how many searches we're serving every day. We don't know who's searching or whether, you know, uh, what their name is or anything like that. It could be one person who's searching a, a billion times a month. <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> um, it could be millions of people searching, searching once. Um, 
probably not. It's, you know, it's going to be somewhere in, in the middle. But, you know, we, we still, we, the data we can get, we can get it in anonymously, the number of searches we serve, and then we can use that to make business decisions. Um, and that's, that works. You know, we, we, we can see uh, changes from day to day, even without doing any tracking. And mm-hmm. going through to the, the business model, um, which we often get asked about, you know, how, how do you make money then if you're not you know, tracking people or, or, whatever, or building up personal profiles? We do get most of our revenue from advertising, um, and that's ads on the, the search results at like the, the top of the site. That is all based on the search query you type in that one time. So you type in car, you're likely to see an advert for a car. You search for something else next time, and we've forgotten completely that you've searched for a car. Mm. So it's very different to other um, sites and search engines where you might search for something, yeah. then go to a different website and a different website, and you're still seeing ads for that thing you searched maybe even days before, which is yeah. creepy. And we, we were seeing a lot of feedback on that lines as well. People saying, hey, you know, I've had enough of this creepiness. Yeah. Yeah. I use ad roll. So we, yeah, we're, we're participating in that. And that would, that would go away too. Retargeting. Yes, but um, we've been profitable since uh, 2014, and yeah. uh, we're using this non-tracking uh, model, and it's working. We're, we're trying to show that it, it can work. It can be a viable business to use advertising or you know other um, revenue methods without building profiles of users. Yeah, it's a search engine with amnesia, basically. Uh, basically, yeah. I'll have, oh, might write that down for the tagline. <laughs> <laughs> Jeff knows this. I've always made the joke that someday his job's going to go away because either robots or maybe now because of DuckDuckGo. But like honestly, it. and maybe Jeff, this is more for you. I, I don't. I think with digital marketing, it actually just shifts. Even just thinking about how people search, the phrases they use, and so on, they had to learn that the way they search now is wildly different from when they searched in two thousand eight versus two thousand twelve, and so on. I think if um, something like DuckDuckGo you know, increases in terms of use, how people search is just going to change. Um, I'm um, Daniel, I did an experiment where I stopped using Google for a good, um, I think it was now a month ago, month and a half, and I just started using DuckDuckGo. I put it on my phone, it was my default search engine, um, and so on. And it was it was a shift because uh, even when I was out and about, and I at this point I didn't know about um, how you could customize certain things on on various devices. So now I'm, I'm going to do that now too. But even putting something like you know restaurant near me in in in, in DuckDuckGo, I needed to add you know an address or where I was or or so on. Um, but it has kind of shifted how I search. Now I'm being more descriptive. I'm saying a little bit longer in terms of this is what I want. Um, and I do like the result, the, the results, uh, what you talked about earlier about the hidden, um, the, the, the hidden, um, uh, things that, that, that pop up, things that might be missing. I especially found that in the news. Um, when I would search something in DuckDuckGo versus Google nine times out of, or me, almost 10 times out of 10, I would find an article in DuckDuckGo that either wasn't on Google's page one or wasn't on Google at all. And I found that refreshing. It was almost as if I was going back in time before all the customization with with uh, with search engines, and I was just finding stuff, random stuff on the internet. Um, that was that was that was interesting. So I do think, well, I guess what I'm saying is that I think humans will adjust. If uh, if it is this way of searching in the future, I think eventually people will be able to do it. And Jeff, you will still have a job. Well, thank you for that. Um, 
yeah, we're, we're trying to make it so that there's not too much adjustment. Uh, but if you want to cut Google out of your life um, or, mm. or Facebook, and they're the two biggest um, yeah. trackers, basically. Uh, Google, actually, yeah, more, more than Facebook. Um, it, it can be uh, tough. We wrote a blog post uh, about um, how to live um, without Google. Again, that's on spreadprivacy.com. And that's proved very popular because yeah, people want to do it and they're not quite sure how. So there is some uh, guidance needed, which we're trying to provide. But as, as you just described, I think the benefits can, you know, once people see the reality, it's like, hey, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't so bad. But that kind of brings me back to awareness and marketing, though. I mean, honestly, I, I personally found out about DuckDuckGo because Jeff um, uh, referenced it in a past show. And at first, I thought it was a joke. I thought he was um, he had made something up or, or or whatever. I hadn't I hadn't heard much. And when I started looking into it, that's when I really started I, I started jumping into what what DuckDuckGo was about. Um, all this to ask, where 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 are the T-shirts? Where are the hats? Where where why isn't there more DuckDuckGo merchandise out there? How can we how how can how how are you going to get more people to know that DuckDuckGo exists? Oh, we've actually just revamped our, our store, actually. So, yeah, I can send you the link to that. Um, it was, <laughs> yeah, it wasn't. It, it was growing old and pretty undiscovered and unloved uh, for a long Francis time. Francis loves swag. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> little, little trinkets, little things to put on his desk. It's not, it's not untrue, but yeah. <laughs> if you had a DuckDuckGo troll doll, he would, yeah, he would put that on his desk. I guarantee it. Interesting. Oh, yeah, because we were trying to think. So we re- revamped the store. Now we're trying to think of what, you know, what cool things we can add to it that people would be interested in. I always felt T-shirts would always be a big thing for any company or band or whatever. Once you get a T-shirt, you kind of feel more real. Um, but I think, um, no, that's good to know that does exist. But um, can't again, guilt our guests into getting free stuff, Francis. I know we're. I'm not doing this. that at all. I'm. I am going <laughs> to buy the T-shirt later. Don't worry about it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but it. <laughs> but it goes back to like how how are you going to get this word out though? I mean, I you're you're in this moment where, um, and it is it is more. It's a heavier moment. I mean, you have the the bill, um, the do not track bill coming up. You have people. You have my dad who's on, you know, not on any sort of social asking about, you know, privacy issues and what is, what can I do out there? there this is a moment for DuckDuckGo. Um, why, I, I, I want to know that there's a marketing plan. I want to know that there's something that you guys are, there is a strategy out there to get, you know, by the end of the year, more people, this many more people should know about DuckDuckGo. I thought appearing on this podcast was it. <laughs> 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 oh, I'm well flattered. played. Well played. <laughs> so in addition to this, then, <laughs> I, I wear a few hats. Uh, one is sort of looking at our social media. And so on social media, again, some people maybe don't like to read long articles. So that's where we try and give advice and point to research or tips that we find uh, or, you know, our own. So uh, social media is one way we're trying to um, spread the word. Um, also, we we're finding more and more that the press wants to hear about our opinion. So there'll be some sort of privacy breach and they'll come and say, you know, don't let go. You're sort of specialist in this area. What's your opinion about it? So we, um, as you just said about your, about your dad, mainstream people are hearing more about the need to protect their privacy online. And consequently the mainstream that's coming from the mainstream press in many cases. Uh, and so we are finding more and more that, um, 
they're coming to us for comment or, or they're doing profiles of us and that is spreading the word as well. We found in the past year, we've been on uh, mentioned on the, the NBC Today show, um, Time Money Magazine, uh, Forbes, so various non-techy um, you know, publications or, or shows. Um, and it, it, it's funny, every time this happens, I think, wow, everybody must have heard about this now we've been in this, you know, the Bloomberg News or something. And still we come across people who are only just discovering it. It's like, wow, <laughs> there's still a lot, a lot to do. Uh, so, yeah, yeah. we're trying. Um, we're growing as a company, you know, we're hiring new people. And, yeah, trying to spread the word is, is, is one of those um, targets. Not just here's, here's DuckDuckGo, here's what we're about, but here's the issue um, behind online privacy and how it's, um, people are trying to erode it. Um, so getting people to learn more about privacy has a knock-on effect of them learning about us as well. You're growing, and you mentioned that you're all a completely distributed workforce, right? Employees all over the, all over the globe. Um, is that part of the business model where you, you want people to be able to, to work from home, from, from wherever they want? What's, what was the thinking behind that? Um, there are some things in the company where I don't think there was any real plan. This is going to sound bad. <laughs> I think it's just, that's just the way it happened. Yeah. Similarly, um, a lot of the, um, the, the backend code uh, was written in Perl. And that's just because that's what Gabriel wrote it in and, and right. that's how it was. Nobody, I don't think there was any decision like, right, let's evaluate all these languages and we're going to use this. Um, similarly, there was no real, okay, what sort of um, recruitment structure are we going to have, we have in terms of office location? Uh, Gabriel, the founder, was based in Philadelphia. He liked living there, so the company started in Philadelphia. And, yeah. you know, obviously, you know, tech companies often can congregate around Silicon Valley, but no, Philadelphia is good. And then people started, or he started, needing extra help. Uh, initially, it was uh, local people, but the, the company, everything it did was online. So inevitably, you're going to get inquiries and feedback and, and comments from people all around the world online. And yeah, if you can do the work and you're based somewhere else, it doesn't matter. Let's have you do the work. Could be on the moon as long as you have a good internet connection yeah, to get yeah. your work done. It does make some things um, difficult. Uh, so you don't get that everyday sort of, you know, office atmosphere, office chat. But we have a few ways where we try and uh, work around that and, and maintain the company culture. One of them is, and I think some other remote working companies do this as well, maybe most, we have an annual meetup uh, in Philadelphia, actually, mm -hmm. uh, the whole company meets up there. Also, within the company, we work in teams on specific areas, and each team will have their own um, separate meetup somewhere in the world, mm -hmm. maybe somewhere you know, relatively convenient for all the people in that team. Uh, so physical meetups are, are good. We also have, uh, we're actually an audio podcast, I think, but we're speaking on, on video chat now. So we use video chat a lot, not just for mm -hmm. company, like, uh, work meetings, but also um, every Friday we have a, a random neighbors meeting, we call it. Hmm. So we've got a, a script. Again, I think it's written in Perl, uh, which will randomly assign you to two or three of your colleagues. It's like, hey, meet at this time uh, uh -huh. and have a chat about something, usually not about work, 
Yeah. And sometimes it's somebody new to the company you've never chatted <laughs> before. Sometimes it's, you know, someone you know, you, you know pretty well. So this is a video chat. So you get randomly assigned people, you get on a video chat and just catch up and Yep. You know in advance who it's gonna be. Um but yeah. you know, at this time get on a call with this person and this person and this person yeah. for twenty minutes. Right. And that's just before the all hands video yeah. call of, of the week. So yeah. it's a nice sort of way to Wind down a bit, I suppose, or at least you know, sw- switch off from yeah. focus, focus, focus. You know, typing, 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 whatever, and yeah. get to know people, people better. That's interesting. So we talk about remote remote work quite a bit, as we've embraced that quite a bit. A lot of the company works remote as well, and going to be challenging. So it's we we found just recently found in the last year that we have to use video chat if we're going to be distributed like this. Yeah, you have to see other people's faces because you just don't get the same. You don't get the same impact just talking through the phone. Um, but that's a really good idea. I like that idea of, um, what was it called? Phone a neighbor or? Called neighbors. Neighbors called. Neighbors. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Feel free really to good. borrow that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we definitely will. It's really easy to kind of like silo yourself off and um, and you can end up working you know, 12 hours a day, 14 hours a day because you just, you're stuck in front of a computer. I don't have to go anywhere. I don't have to commute. So yeah, I, I like the idea of kind of like incorporating both worlds. Yes. Oh, and, and you know, we take it seriously. It's, it's neighbors call, you know, so people, everybody's yeah. doing the same thing. So nobody expects you to be working during that time. With the neighbors call, um, at, 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 um, at Brafton, there was a holiday party years ago where um, it was assigned seating. And it was the same sort of idea. It was this one chance that, you know, everyone made sure that everyone was kind of seated um, with someone different. The different departments were, 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 uh, were, were, were mixed up. To this day, People who remember that party will always say, you know what? That's the only time I got to know other people. It like we all worked in the same place, but the fact that we were forced, you know, and it was only dinner. We had dinner and then there was whatever, it was like a wedding reception. But because they were forced to have the um to sit at that table with a bunch of random people, that's the only reason they knew everyone, um, or got to know different people. Um, which feels exactly like what you guys are doing with this neighbor chat. I think there's something to that of almost forced conversations. <laughs> um but it, it does, it, it worked. It worked in person. I feel like, yeah, the video thing could absolutely work um, uh, work now with a lot of remote writers and, and remote workers. Yeah, it's, it's surprising. It's only 20 minutes a week, but, you know, really, mm. it's, it's nice. After the call, it's like, yeah, that was, that was cool. I learned something about that person or, <laughs> you know, yeah, I've been wanting to chat to him for a while or whatever. Um, mm-hmm. One other thing we do, which is not, uh, again, we're trying to maintain com- company culture, but it's not actually using video, is uh, a weekly question um, going out to everyone on our internal system. So it's effectively the same as we would have a, a, a regular task in our online uh, system management system. Um, and it's called Know Your Company. And each week we'll have a different question. Uh, this week's one was, um, what travel gadgets do you recommend? And then people start talking about the you know, noise-canceling earbuds or, or whatever. Uh, yeah. Another time in the past we've had, if you weren't doing the profession you're doing now, what alternative profession would you be doing? Uh, and that can delve into a chat about astronomy or, or philosophy or, or something mm. like that. Uh, another one was, um, oh, it was just, um, when have you, have, have you ever been on TV? Uh, and <laughs> people threw up some really interesting uh, little sort of, uh, stories. Uh, yeah. Another one was, uh, one of the media, I remember, was uh, one of the um, people on our team was about to do something which was like, you know, kind of a, a big deal. And, and so I said, you know, they must have been very nervous. So with them in mind, what situations do you remember in your life that, you know, that have made you really nervous or anxious? Uh, and we got some really 
quite <laughs> a scary stories actually <laughs> where people you know, pretend guns and, and scary dogs and uh, all sorts of <laughs> <laughs> Oh God, I just had a flashback. I've actually been, um, oddly enough, I've got a very strange background. I worked in mosquito abatement for years. So I was out on these, on the marshes, on these aquatic tanks. So I've, I've got these stories of dodging wildlife. Um, it's kind of ranges from bulls chasing me out of pastures, um, and hopping over barbed wire fences to dogs. You'd mentioned dogs. I've been chased out of three yards by dogs one time. And this, this one time as a huge dog, I was walking up there and I got this spidey sense. My hair was sticking up. And uh, all of a sudden I saw this giant mastiff with a bowling ball of a head. And I looked at it and I said, oh, don't you run, Jeff. And I was like, oh, screw, I'm running. And I started just booking it. I started booking it. And I'm like, I got maybe 100 feet and I was close to the to the fence. And I thought, okay, I got time. I've, I've probably, I've been, you know, I had a a jet trail at my ass. I was probably got time to get through this gate. And I turn around and he's right on me, like two inches away. I like, I don't have time. And I just went headfirst over the fence and broke through this, this beautiful picket fence and flew over the top of it. And the best part was there's neighbors out front and there's nothing that they could see behind it. All of a sudden they just saw this, this guy with this giant ladle in his hand fly over a fence <laughs> and crash through the picket fence. <laughs> that would have been my moment. Wow. And you were you were unscathed after that. I had a few scratches. Pride was shot for maybe three, <laughs> like three days, three days of of healing from that wound. But that would have been what I shared with you. Yeah, cool. That's a, that's a great example. Yeah, that's exactly the kind of thing that we do. And it, yeah, you get to learn people's characters. And when we yeah. do meet up in person, uh, it's nice you can ask people about it or make fun of them or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Daniel, I've I've worked with Jeff for like what five six years. I have never heard that story at all. I don't and maybe I don't know. It's possible, Jeff. You told me I forgot, but I think I would have remembered. Or I had I have so many other questions now about you dodging wildlife um, that we don't have time for. Um, but that just proves, yeah, that's a really interesting way to build culture remotely. And yeah. again, that's uh, that's 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 another good thing that Duck Duck Go is doing. I'm glad I was able to bring you two together there. <laughs> Thank you, Daniel. <laughs> One um, maybe future-looking, and I, I'm just being mindful of time, but one future-looking question, um, and I realize there might not be much here, but Jeff and I talk a lot about, and we mentioned you know, Google Assistant and Alexa and the idea of voice search, um, not you know, in, the, in the near future, but at some point, I have to imagine, searching by voice as opposed to typing is, um, is not going to be the way um, uh, people find things. Um, has DuckDuckGo considered this? Is it something that, I mean, I, I'm not asking like, you know, what is the new product, but is it something that's part of conversations? You know, what is, what could be the future of search um, in, in terms of voice search? Yeah, another interesting question. Um, we, we are seeing people using voice more and more with, the, you know, the uh, home assistance and stuff. But then we're also hearing some scare stories. One just came out um, today, actually, uh, or sorry, yesterday. Um, turns out that um, with, uh, am I allowed to say the, a word, am I allowed to say? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Yes, absolutely. Please Abs- do. Abs- I'm worried that's going to trigger off. Uh, no, no triggers. Uh, Amazon Echo, I should say. Um, uh-huh. It turns out transcripts, even if you delete uh, conversations um, that have been recorded, the transcripts are apparently are still stored on you know, Amazon servers somewhere. That's good to know. So, yeah, people, uh, I think voice search is, is very convenient, but there are big problems with the way it's done at the moment. 
And I think we need to see some big improvements before everybody's comfortable with using it. Uh, we don't have any plans right now where we're just focused on the products that we mm. do have and making them as good as possible. So we don't have any plans. But um, we're not seeing a decline, though, in people typing and stuff for, for, for search. People are still mm. uh, doing that an awful lot. And even um, if you use um, like a voice widget or something on your phone, that can still send the search through and uh, in the same way that a text search would uh, would be done. So I don't see a big... Um, shift right now uh, in how people are going to sit. But that's a good point. And now I'm terrified of my, uh, my, my, my own echoes in the house I now. Told you you um, should but be. That's, I've been telling you for months. <laughs> which I should have been anyway. I should have been anyway. And searches, uh, sorry, sticking with searches, it's some of the most private thing you can do. You, you search for medical information, for financial information, for, uh, about your romantic uh, queries. It's some of the stuff that you. You you don't have to do anything wrong, but it's still stuff that you yeah. want to keep private. Yeah, people are more wow. open with their search engine than they are with their significant other. Yes, can <laughs> be very true. Um, I think before even anyone launches into voice search, just figuring out what's happening now, um, which seems like a good uh, kind of the way DuckDuckGo has kind of operated, you know, from the beginning, um, and asking the question: Is that the way it should be done? Um, so it's not even so much, you know, how, let's find a way to do voice search, um, just figuring out what is happening now. And is that even the way it should be? You know, is that the is that the default code that we should use to make sure that this launches? Um, after this, I'll just destroy all my Alexas now. I think I'm convinced they're gone. <laughs> <laughs> they, you know what? You're bugged. They can hear you. By the time you get to the kitchen, <laughs> they, they'll have... They'll have recruited the microwave and the toaster, and you're gonna have Skynet over there. Oh yeah, so this is this is the way. This is how I get homeless. <laughs> mm-hmm. well, one thing we would like to see, and again, this is part of. Um, I suppose you could call it marketing, but in a way, it's something that we we're just doing because we think it's the right thing. Is we want to see stronger legislation for this kind of thing. At the moment, technology moves moves so quickly. Um, it's sometimes the case where yeah, we can technically do it so let's do it and then the sort of um, ramifications of that are only considered afterwards yeah legislation needs to uh, sort of catch up with people's concerns uh, and it's not well, i think part of the problem is legislation doesn't understand this stuff when google was on the um was being questioned by was it congress right by congress yeah yeah i mean they proved the without a doubt that they have no idea how this technology works so you said it moves fast <laughs> Yeah, it, it does move fast, but you've also got people legislating it that absolutely do not understand it. So it's there's an education that needs to come with it that I think is a huge hurdle. That's a good point as well. Yeah, and the same with the, the Facebook hearings as well. Some of the questions being asked, well, yeah, yeah, you don't just really understand how this works, do you? Yeah, <laughs> and you can't have somebody legislate something that doesn't understand what it is. That's just as scary to me. Yeah, we um, uh, Gabriel has been on a couple of um, hearings recently. Um, mm-hmm. So this, the Senate, um, this is the California Senate and uh, the Federal Senate, they are asking uh, tech companies, uh, including that they go for opinions on, um, on on things relating to, to privacy and, and yeah. regulation, which is good. So I think yeah, things are slowly moving in the right direction. Uh, in California, there's a thing called the CCPA, the California Consumer uh, Privacy Act, which is coming into effect next year, 2020. And although yeah, you might think that's just California, 
But um, I think that's going to have significant um, mm. uh, influence over legislation that comes out in other states. And uh, yeah, that, that's already, um, yeah, so that's definitely going to come into effect next year. So things are moving in the right direction. But yeah, you're right. There needs to be more education, yeah. more awareness, and a little bit more speed. Now that we've um, scared people um, completely, myself included, Daniel, what what privacy tips do you have for people right now? How can they how can they protect their their data? How can they feel a little bit more secure when they're when they're online? Uh, yeah, this is um, something practical for for listeners. Uh, we've actually sorry, Princeton University uh, a couple of years ago now did a study of the top one million websites, and they found uh, tracking code in many of those websites from various advertising networks. Uh, and the biggest one was Google. Uh, Google owns, as we said, not, not as Google, well, owned by Alphabet, but they own YouTube, they own um, various websites. But in addition, they have ads on you know, countless blogs and, and smaller websites, which still enables them to collect data on you when you're looking at an article on a blog, for example. And so Princeton University found that um, Google trackers were on roughly 75% of the top million websites. Facebook was the next uh, biggest offender, and I think that was around 25% of the top million websites had some kind of Facebook um, tracker on. Even if it's just a like button on somebody's website, that's still Facebook code, and they can sort of work out, ah, you're the same person that looked at this other site uh, a couple of days ago. So the biggest thing is to stop using Google and Facebook. Uh, yeah. Might wow. sound tricky. Simple, easy, done. We can do that. <laughs> um, <laughs> however, I do have some others. <laughs> so that's my. <laughs> uh, if, if you want to have a big impact, that's it. Um, yeah. In addition, the, the, the phones that we carry around with us, um, like a search engine, they sort of um, know a lot about us. They know our exact location at every um, time of day. You know, when you wake up, the, the sensors can even detect, or at least the code that uses the sensors, can work out whether you're walking, running, standing up, sitting down. And so apps within the phone can detect that as well. Obviously, you've got your contacts in there with all their phone numbers. Um, So phones know an awful lot about you. You share everything with the phone. When you install apps on there, very often the app has access to that sensitive data. Sometimes you you grant permission without thinking about it. And then those apps in the background, especially if they're free, uh, they can then sell the, the data they collect about you to generate their revenue. And right. so then your information then goes through to some other third-party data broker who's got information on millions of people, and they then sell it, again, and it eventually goes through uh, advertising, uh, targeted ads. So what I'm trying to say is the apps on your phone potentially have access to a lot of your sensitive information that they will share with other companies that you've probably never heard of. Mm. It's important to only install apps that you really trust from developers or companies that you trust. And every now and then, take time to go through and look at what apps you've got installed and remove ones you're not using. The worst comes to the worst, you just reinstall it later. Uh, I think that's a big difference. Even things like weather apps, we've found that, that they um, detect your location every few seconds and then you know, share that with other companies so they can get revenue from it. So that's, uh, that's one. And a third one, Again, talking with your phone, or it could be with the computer as well, actually. Take a couple of minutes to go and look in the settings at the privacy settings. All phones have it now. 
um, as well as probably the, the computer that you're using as well. Go in and take a look at the privacy settings and you might be surprised at what's available there. Like, wow, I can not give access to my camera, for example. And then you think, well, wait a minute, why does that app need access to my camera in the first place? So you might see some creepy things there, but that's where you get control of, of, of stopping these things. Um, oh, one bonus one. Use the DuckDuckGo browser extension on mobile app. It's funny, Daniel's connecting my, uh, my Google account to HubSpot. They've got HubSpot sales, I believe. And whenever you connect via Google, it'll tell you what the company wants access to. And this, I got this hilarious list of things. Um, HubSpot wants access to your Google account. <clears throat> and then you click accept and it shows all the things that it wants. And what it said it wanted to do was read, compose, send, and permanently delete all your email. View and modify, but not delete your email. See and download all of your Google files. See, edit, download, and permanently delete your contacts. See, edit, create, and delete your spreadsheets. See, edit, share, and permanently delete the calendars you can access in Google Calendar. And then view, manage, search console data for all your websites and manage the list of sites and domains that you control. Wow. <laughs> I know. That's a, that's a hell of a laundry list, right? I, yeah. I can't think of many things else other than... Like raise your children, um, manage your manage your relationships. Um. Wow, that's that's an awful lot. I mean, yeah, I, I, we all assume that they're not going to actually delete my emails, but the fact that they have access means, you know, you never know, somebody else might buy the company, or yeah. somebody a disgruntled yeah. employee might, you know, have a bad day and yeah. decide to do something. Wow, at least they're upfront. I, I actually tweeted to them. I said, "Is this a mistake, or are you actually looking for God powers?" And they said, it's, it's, in our, it's in our terms and conditions. Or so, I don't know. They, were, they sent something else back. They, they basically said it wasn't a mistake. It's like, oh, no, that's actually, yeah, yeah that's right. That's basically yeah. it. Um, no, we want that. <laughs> we want that stuff. Oh, God, that was scary. Um, Daniel, thank you again. Um, this was eye-opening. This was insightful. Um, and I'm, I'm now even more scared um, about everything. Um, and I will be using more DuckDuckGo. And I, I will be buying a T-shirt because I feel like more people should know about DuckDuckGo. So um, thank you. Thank you again um, for, uh, for, for joining us Thanks today. Thanks a lot, Daniel. Thank you. And don't be scared. There are ways to take control of your data. <laughs> I will absolutely take all your tips into consideration. And uh, maybe even just throw my phone right in the toilet. I am, I am an Android user, Jeff. And I, yeah, you're I am more, more likely, likely to. to do that. You're, you're more, likely more likely to drop to your that. phone in the toilet. <laughs> it's true. Uh, all right. Well, thanks again, Daniel. All take right. care. It's been a lot of fun. Thank you. Bye.